Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 129. Rob Jones, it's early morning on a Wednesday. It is. I think this is the earliest podcast we've filmed so far, isn't it? Could be. I, th- I like the way you've upgraded your background once again with a bookshelf and yes, some books. I have. I've actually just rotated 90 degrees from what you would normally see. <laughs> Brilliant. Mate, we have a guest on today's show. But firstly, just to remind you guys, we are brought to you by Hoka. You can head to hoka.com. You can go and have a look. They've got some new colorways, I believe. They're always coming out with new colorways. Seems every month some special color or something is is bought out. And I like to just go and have a look anyway to, to see what's going on over there. I always know I'm going to get the same color, but, you know, it's good to go and see what the options are. I was going to say, you have a look, but you definitely don't get any of those colors. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, we also brought to you by Precision Fueling and Hydration. You may have noticed on Instagram right now, they have changed their name finally to Precision F and H. It's like a, I feel like they're like a high street brand now. You know, like H&M, F and H, food and hydration. You can also go onto their website and you can use code RUNSTRONG22 for a discount with them on your first order. And if you forget that code, then just head to the show notes later on and you can see how to get it. Mate, today we have a guest. Yes. Called Tom Kernessa. Carenza. Carenza. And I actually know Tom very well. I should be able to pronounce his last I name. I know his name. <laughs> and Tom is a medical doctor living in Canada, originally from the UK. Um, but he's gone into a coaching business and we chatted a few weeks ago just to sort of to catch up and he came out with some absolutely golden stuff. So I said, mate, you need to come on our podcast and share this with our listeners. So let's get to it. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It's, uh, it's evening your time over in Canada. Yeah, you're actually um, time traveling because um, it's May 17th here and it's May 18th where you are. Amazing. It's so, a good day. It's a good day so far. Any day I start with time travel, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> what can you tell me about the future? It's sunny. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit foggy actually, but it's warm. Um, and, and I've woken up about an hour earlier than I wanted to today. So that's the future. Mate, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, what your background is, and then, you know, a little bit about current life that you're living. Sure. So, um, yeah, my name is Tom um, Wright, but sometimes I go by Tom Carenza. Uh, That is my married name. And I am originally from the UK. I'm a doctor, which I've been doing for 10 years. And I grew up in the southwest of England. And for the past year, I've also been coaching, um, specifically, I guess you call it life coaching. And I'm really interested in positive psychology. So looking at, rather than looking at the things that are wrong with us, looking at the things that are right with us. So, you know, um, our values, our strengths, and, you know, looking at the, um, ways that we can flourish and thrive and be happier in life. Um, And I'm also a little bit interested in um, existentialism. So all the big questions, you know, like what's the meaning of life, which I think as human beings, we all ask ourselves that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit um, 
about me in a nutshell. I live in Canada, as you said. I'm in uh, BC in British Columbia. And uh, yeah, I work as a doctor here. It's a family doctor or a GP. Mm. And that must set you up to be quite unique in in sense of your coaching business also being medically trained and, and a GP because you must see kind of a lot more has doing what your day job is as being a GP led you to wanting to be a coach or was it vice versa you wanted to be a coach but you found that you could do it your best through being a GP yeah so it's a good question and I think that I have probably always wanted to work with people um in a much deeper way and I've shied away from being a coach because of imposter syndrome you know which I think comes up for a lot of us um and then actually someone from my medical school posted something on Facebook and said hey I've just finished training as a coach and I thought I'm going to message her and find out a little bit more and that was about a year and a half ago and the rest is history so I think really for me um I work work as a doctor which I absolutely love and I feel really 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 privileged to do um, but I wanted something that would allow me to work with people on a much deeper level and connect with them um, on a deeper level. So that's how I kind of got, got into coaching. Do you find that the two professions are almost intrinsically linked or if they're, are they linked together or do you feel there's still quite a, a big separation between the two? So the medical is very, what, here's what's wrong with you, let's try and fix the problem versus let's delve deeper and find the source, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And I think like, you know, um, it's important to understand um, the drivers behind our behaviours, which might be health behaviours. So from that perspective, coaching has been really helpful. Um, I feel like I'm probably more effective as a doctor. Um, you know, and I can sometimes, you know, I'll find myself asking things in a different way or consulting in a different way, asking a more insightful question and really trying to understand, you know, um, things a little bit deeper. And I also like to kind of understand like the goal behind the goal. You know, if someone tells me, hey, I want to lose weight, you know, find out well, what's important about losing weight for you, um, which I think is something that's come from coaching. Mm -hmm. Are you picking up any common themes, Tom? um common themes in in people who come to you yeah i think um probably i'm noticing more and more that um people are interested in like so there's there's much more of an awareness about living a healthy life and I don't think it solely comes down to, you know, physical health. In fact, I think that, you know, working on your kind of mental well-being probably even comes before working on your physical well-being. Um, I think the two are really, really closely linked. But I think, you know, that, that mental well-being piece is super important. Um, so I think that's probably the common theme that I'm noticing, you know, the lifestyle things um, in particular. I would say we're, I'm certainly seeing that more from a from an endurance perspective where lots of our clients are now coming to us. They don't necessarily have a goal in mind, but they're doing it more for themselves and to get to give themselves a sense of adventure and 
to to live a healthier lifestyle but they're not they don't necessarily have to run a race or they don't have a big event or a big endpoint it's it's evergreen if you like it's it's just for them mm-hmm. i love that i, I love the uh, like the evergreen and you know kind of really understanding like what's what's the like bigger picture for you as an individual you know what would be like what would be really exciting what would be an amazing adventure for you as an individual um and also like not missing the wood for the trees you know sometimes you can become really attached to an endpoint and actually not enjoy what you're doing in the present moment so i think that's also quite important do we think this is i sometimes think we're all of a similar age and i, I sometimes think has this always happened or are we now in a different period of of the world if you like modern day we've never had the kind of technology we have available to us <clears throat> excuse me we've never had the technology that's available to us now we've never been in a more modern society than we are now do you think people have always gone through this transition if you like and are we just at the age where we're in a, where we're seeing it more or do you think that we're actually in a unique period and are you um talking about like the things that we're focusing on and we're focusing on them because of technology and mm, exactly yeah yeah i think that um like health and well-being and self-improvement has always been a big thing but perhaps it's becoming even more um even more important and i think particularly off the back of the pandemic look we've just been well we're still in the middle of it but you know like off the back of two years of a a global pandemic people are feeling like they're asking themselves questions aren't they like how can i live a more authentic healthy fulfilling existence you know what are the steps that i need to take and the thing I, i think i'm also realizing is that it's not one size fits all you know, like you, you talked about endurance and I think, um, you know, sometimes it can feel like you're pigeonholed and this is the only way that you can be fit and healthy. And this is the only type of exercise that you can do. Whereas actually, if that doesn't work for you, there might be something else, you know, that, that you love and that that keeps you fit. We see that so much, don't we, Rob? People attach their identity to being a runner. And then the thought of doing anything else is like they can't because they don't want to miss out on all the running and their social media just follows runners. And so they're just constantly bombarded with like running material that's kind of telling them you're not good enough because what you're watching is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's her. Actually, I got that message yesterday from somebody that um, she sent me a message. She's a brand new runner and she ma- managed to run for five minutes without mm. getting out of breath. And for her... That was the biggest win she'd have ever in her running career, if you like. And she just said, I know I'm not comparing myself to, to the big guys that come in from Mars, but for me, this is huge. I was just deli- delighted with that. Absolutely made my day. And just because she wasn't comparing herself, it was just looking at where she had come from and where she was now. It's like, yes, you've got it. You've got yeah. it. You're on the right track. That's huge. It's quite cool, actually. We've we're as proud of that message as we are of Keith Russell, who just broke him and a, a Belgian guy just broke the world record for the backyard ultra last night, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's run what 600 kilometers in nearly 80 hours. And to me anyway, like, I'm so proud of he's part of our team 
but then I'm even more proud that you're getting a message of someone who's running, who's so happy with running five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, doesn't that show it's not about, it's not about your performance. It's about what the context of it is. Mm. Absolutely. One of my friends um, just ran the the MDS, the Marathon of the Sub. And uh, he, he said to me the other day, you know, I'm at the peak of my physical fitness like I'm super fit he did it with his friend who um, rode the Atlantic and uh, he said that there were so many people from so many different backgrounds there were people with Parkinson's disease people with asthma like people who were you know like in their 70s and they're not racing necessarily they're not racing against each other like it's you know it's how much can I do myself what you know it's like pushing yourself and your own individual goals um, which he, he was, you know, was absolutely blown away by. That was like the, the biggest thing for him. Yeah, very cool. So, Tom, we, we've identified that we're, we may be in a quite unique time and it can be down to some modern problems, let's say. Also, not problems, but modern technology, I think, is what we posted down to and a little bit of a pandemic. When we chatted a few weeks ago, you came up with something that I'd not really heard about before and found it extremely interesting and it's called micro stress and can you just tell us a little bit about that and and the effect that it can have on you yeah absolutely i mean um i i'm I'm certainly not an expert but i read um dr rangan chatterjee um so for those of you who don't know he is another gp or family doctor in the uk um and he regularly talks about um, well-being and stress and how to thrive. And he has a podcast and Instagram channel. And he, he posted something about micro stress. Um, basically, he was talking about, you know, the way that and I find this kind of really resonates with me in particular with technology. Um, so, you know, you wake up in the morning, your phone is your alarm and uh, that goes off and that's your first micro stress dose. And then if you, I mean, I've certainly been in this position, so I'm not judging anyone who does it, but you know, and then your Instagram pops up, you see a friend who's sunning themselves in Greece, lying on a beach and you think, you know, why aren't I doing that? And you get that fear of missing out. And that's another micro stress dose. And then your emails pop up on your phone, you know, and then whatever you get a million WhatsApp messages, and all of those little things on their own might not be very much, but throughout the day they accumulate and then you reach your stress threshold. Stress threshold. There we go. I can say it. So I think it's just recognizing. And one of the big things for me, Tom, was actually I wrote a, um, a blog on this the other day uh, that it's just too much information. It's just that you're being bombarded with so many different things so many different sources and you're like whoa you know like for me I, I I find it too much so I'm trying to put things into place to to limit those micro stress doses for myself give us some tips then what are you doing for yourself yeah I mean that's a good question I um personally am limiting notifications on my phone so there's absolutely no need that i need to have a pop-up every time i get an email i mean most of them are irrelevant anyway 
and I don't need to be seeing all my WhatsApp messages pop up on my screen. I don't need to see news. That's the other thing, you know, like um, BBC News and all of the other news articles will pop up with uh, really distressing headlines. And it does subliminally, you know, it, subconsciously it, it impacts you, it lands, it, you know, hits you somewhere. So I'm trying to find ways of limiting my social media and media exposure during the day. And um, I do use my phone as an alarm. I'm probably gonna buy another alarm, but I, I then put my phone somewhere else and I get them off my morning and I don't look at it. And when I'm working during the day, I put my phone somewhere else and I don't look at it because I don't need to. Mm. I actually remember it was about three years ago, uh, maybe a bit more. and. Uh, I had a meeting with Marcus, who's our boss, and I remember him him saying to me, you know, how are you feeling? And I thought, feeling pretty busy and, and a little bit overwhelmed with things. And he said, you need to go dark. And I was like, what does this mean? He's like, everything off. I was like, okay. He goes, every notification, just turn it off. And I remember thinking, how the hell am I going to do that? You know, I need to know when people are messaging me. I need to know when I'm getting emails in. He's like, no, you don't. He goes, just turn them all off and then check in on them once in the morning, once at lunchtime, once in the afternoon. And I did it. And from that day forward, I have not looked back. Not a single notification comes up on my phone and I have a black screensaver and I would never change it now. There is nothing I need to know. And if it is so important, I will get called and then you can't turn off a call, right? So the, the call shows up and I know that I need to answer it. But I remember it, it literally was like a life-changing moment is to just turn everything off. And I think, have you done the same, Rob, or do you need to have a couple on? Now, I, so the only one that I have on is calendar notifications, but I was the same. Mm. I had everything on because when I changed career to, to this career, I, like, I need to know when people want to message me because it's urgent and they're the clients and they come first. And then I realized that, well, actually, it's not that urgent and it's... <laughs> I can check in whenever I have the time for them and they're all fine with it. So yeah. <laughs> like you say, whenever you need anything, people can call you and it, yeah, same thing. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I'm rarely stressed. <laughs> and I've started calling other people out on it. If I send a WhatsApp and I get one immediately back, I say, <laughs> why is your WhatsApp open on your computer? You're replying too soon. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's great the way that you structured your day like that. And I think, you know, because of the nature of our jobs, sometimes there is that pressure, like you feel like you have to be responding instantly and quickly, and that's the nature of society. But really, you don't. And you can structure your day, like you said, you know, three times a day. So you're going to check in, even if it's for like 20 minutes, just see, have I had some emails or any of them urgent? Do I need to respond? Rather than what happens for most of us is it bleeds into the day insidiously. You just get pop-up after pop-up after pop-up. And it's just, that's the point I'm making. It's way too much, isn't it? But what you were talking about going dark, I love that. You, the kind of clientele you're working with, Tom, is that something that they're all going through or, or are there some people who have figured it out already? Um, yeah, I think... Uh, quite a few I would say um quite a few of it's, yeah it's not just clients you know it's um patients friends just everybody I mm. think the world is uh, like 
everybody seems to have a phone these days like everywhere every country <laughs> every community and i think you you walk down the street and you see people glued to their phones constantly mm. you know what is that doing to us yeah do you so i think micro stress actually can I'm, i've not heard of it in terms of a lifestyle point of view but from an exercise point of view we use micro stress as a as a tool like that's what we're doing by when you're training every day you're not training until you absolutely mashed yourself and you're lying on your back and you can't move you train enough that your body has enough energy to continue recovering for the rest of the day and then the next day you can train again so we're having small bouts of stress which would have given larger recovery time than the stress you get fitter but it can be a case of let's say with for example a shin splints you can give yourself micro stress and not recover from it and then keep adding on the stress without the recovery and you're going to eventually end up with an injury um, and that comes with like rsi repetitive repetitive strain injuries like shin splints and things like that and micro stress can become a very much a, a negative there do we need in terms of lifestyle tom do you think that we we need some form of micro stress to be, to get better maybe to be more challenged in life or do you think it's it's just a thing we need to try and identify and cut out completely or do we have good stresses and bad stresses? So I think the, the, the point as well that um, like Dr. Chatterjee and other people have been making is that um, when we're talking about stress in the context of this, like stress in the context of health, it's actually your fight or flight, your sympathetic nervous system being stimulated which from an evolutionary point of view served a really good purpose. You know, when you're standing in front of a saber-toothed tiger and he's about to eat your face, that's really important for your cortisol levels to go up, your blood sugars to rise, your muscles to get tighter, your pupils to dilate and your breathing to quicken. So you can literally sprint away. But if you are constantly activating that part of your body, that part of the nervous system, um, from fairly inane, tiny little things like, oh, I saw someone on Instagram, you know, do something that I'm not doing. That's the point he's making. This constant like accumulation of micro stresses will reach a threshold and you're, that part of the nervous system is always switched on, which is not good for you. So I'm probably going to say no in that respect. Um, I don't necessarily think it's good. And if you can try to reduce the amount of uh, micro stress doses that you you know that you acquire during the day that's that's probably a good thing um does that make sense mm. is there so on that is there anything let's say you know i, I come to you i'm a i feel like i'm stressed throughout the day i need some help is there any behaviors or anything that you would try and fit into my life to help manage that or reduce that or is there any actions that someone can immediately take aside from the phone so that seems like a fairly obvious one but is there what can we action yeah i mean that and that's a, that's a great question rob and i think um i would i would always explore it with the person i'd ask them to talk me through their day mm -hmm. so that we could you know explore it together really understand like what do you do what time do you wake up what time do you go to bed you know do you give yourself breaks during the day? You know, are you doing too much? Um, that kind of thing. And I think all those basic like foundations and rudiments, like 
how are you sleeping? What's your sleep like? You know, and I'm sure you ask this um, as, uh, as, as coaches as well. And like, what's your nutrition like? Um, what, do, what are you eating? And then like, what, what are we consuming in terms of coffee? What are we consuming in terms of alcohol? Um, you know, particularly um, like things like coffee, you know, you wouldn't think that it would have a bad impact on you, but anything in excess can. So a little bit is fine, gives you a bit of a boost, but a lot is going to affect your sleep. It's going to make you feel anxious, jittery, you know, and similarly with alcohol, you know, having a couple of drinks is fine, but, you know, too much is again going to affect how you feel. So I think those are the things that I would explore. What's your day like? What are you doing? You know, how is it making you feel? The things that you're doing. And those are the, I, again, like, I don't think it's one size fits all. I think it's looking with that person at their individual life and figuring out what's right for them. Yeah. How do you feel about journaling? Um, I, I did it myself. And I think it's always important for us um, as coaches to try things that we're recommending to other people. Mm -hmm. um, I found it really helpful just to get my thoughts down. Um, and uh, I was doing it in the context of negative self-talk. Like okay. we um, we're really supportive to friends and family when they're having a hard time in life. But if we're having a hard time in life, we're our own worst critics. The way that we talk to ourselves can be really, really, really harsh. And so uh, what I was actually doing was writing down um, a couple of things that I'd done that day that were took a bit of time, energy or effort. So like didn't make it big for myself so that I could stick to it, but like maybe two things that, you know, where I was acknowledging. And I, and I found it really powerful. I did it for about three, four weeks. Um, so yeah, and, and I once uh, suggested journaling to a client and he said, that doesn't work for me. I'll never do it. And I was like, great, you know, that you, you know what works for you, but some people swear by it. How do we, or how do you, like that is a perfect scenario. I must hear that at least once a week. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but I've always done it this way. You know, I've always done it that way or that won't work for me. And it's such a, like just saying that, should be a red flag to yourself it's certainly a red flag to a coach what do you say when someone says that mate I know you said then you know okay great you know it works for you but they obviously don't because they've come to you for a reason so how do we get people to start thinking a little bit differently if they're always thinking oh that's always the way I've done it hmm. <laughs> I think sometimes uh, it's also like so I think unsolicited advice from anybody a doctor a coach any kind of professional goes down like a shit sandwich um you know people don't respond well to unsolicited advice so you've got to get buy-in from a person um you have to ask them yeah like okay tell me what you've already tried and then they'll say yeah i've been doing this and i've always done it this way and then i'd be curious and say well how is that working out for you and i say well not that great yeah. <laughs> I kind of explore it in that way and I say well what what else could you try rather than saying you need to do this you need to do you know like fartleks or this or that you what else could you do and see what they know and then uh, how would that look if you did that so that's the way I approach it make it their idea exactly 
do you think there's a difference of, of buy-in there between men and women? Do you think men are more stubborn to, to journal perhaps because they don't want to go deep and explore their feelings and they want to keep everything on the surface, whereas women tend to go deeper? Um, I, th I think that's a, a great question, Rob. Um, I mean, men probably have or typically found it harder to um, talk about their feelings. So perhaps they would find that a harder thing to do. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, there could be lots and lots of reasons for that, like the way that, you know, society tells us that we should behave as men and, you know, that we need to be strong and we shouldn't talk about our feelings. I think that's a message that's transmitted to us from a very young age in most cultures about what a man is and what a man isn't. So, yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, potentially men do find it more challenging. Is it is it as effective when men actually do it? I, I, I think it probably is um it's just just how you go about uh getting them to to explore that mm. yeah i actually would say on this topic i've had a couple of clients males who have opened up to me in the past and it's it's something so insignificant that but to them it's the biggest deal in the world to say it and i would just say to anyone listening like what your problems might seem like the end of the world to you but to someone else they can help you put it into such an easier context and literally a five minute conversation and right, men are pretty direct, right? It's like, here's the problem. Here's how I feel and an end. Like you don't even need a solution to walk away with. And I've had some five minute conversations with blokes and they've just literally said something and they thought this has taken them six months to be able to say it. But once they've said it, they feel so much better and that we haven't even come to a solution. They've just said what they were feeling and then that's it. And then we might not talk about it again for another two months, but in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, I know I can get that off my chest. And, you know, I've said something and, and now I feel so much better for it. And they sometimes they even thank me like a week later saying how much better they feel. I said, I literally didn't do anything. You, you, you spoke <laughs> and I listened. And then that was the end of the conversation. And it's like, it doesn't need to be this, this whole like one hour, one and a half hour deep chat where we go and explore whatever childhood and and back back of the brain memories it literally can just be a case of saying how you feel and that's the end of it it's uh it's a very interesting thing i think to watch when someone finally gets the courage to be able to speak how they're really feeling yeah i listened that... to a podcast actually the other the other week and it was saying as a as a gender you're like women will meet up with their friends every couple of weeks generally and they'll yeah. just chat about everything and there's nothing nothing off the table and they'll they'll hash it out at a round of coffee table and then everyone goes away feeling a little bit better maybe a little bit worse but they've talked about it and they've opened up so it's not weighing on their mind but men mm. will meet up and do something manly they won't go and sit you know what i mean they Top won't wood. sit down and have a they won't sit down and have a coffee and just chat about how their no. week has been It'll be very surface level conversation. And that's the difference because then we're bottling everything up and we're not getting things out there that perhaps could be shared. It's we're trying to deal with it internally ourselves. And yeah. Building up and building up until it eventually explodes. Yeah. Cool. We took a bit of a turn down psychology 101 there. <laughs> Let's turn back on to some some practical advice, mate. Do we or 
another thing we, we chatted about off the back of this micro stress idea, which I think to, to get people's just more on board with that, have a look through your day of what you're doing that basically annoys you. And like, what's taking your attention away from what you're meant to be focusing on? And I would say that's how you're going to identify your micro stresses. Would you say that's right, Tom? Yeah, um, I think that's that's a great point in terms of like mapping out your day and looking at where you feel um, that you're you're distracted the most. Um, mm. What's really put like what's really kind of pulling you off target? Um, and, and and another thing that kind of comes up for me, and um, I think we talked about this, Tom, is like multitasking. Um, and the, it, it all kind of comes back to too much information, like our basic chimp brains cannot handle too much at once. And actually, by the way, multitasking is a total misnomer. It shouldn't be called multitasking because you're not doing more than one thing at once. You're actually rapidly switching between tasks um, in succession, um, and which kind of brings up another concept of flow like the flow state you know you can't really get into a flow state if you're rapidly switching back and forth back and forth between tasks um but we all know how we felt when we've just solely focused on one piece of work even for 20 30 minutes and when you can get into it in a really deep way and you feel like oh my god time just went by really quickly and i've actually really understood what i'm doing and i've got loads of loads of stuff done so yeah multitasking is um is a real big thing as well. I remember hearing that once was, yeah, there's no such thing as multitasking. It's, it's just quick brain switching. And that changed my thought pattern on it so much. I think people try and multitask, don't they? To try and be more efficient. Yeah. So you, I think you get the complete opposite out of it. And all you have to do is try and, um, I caught myself, I think yesterday, I was trying to do something in the kitchen while typing a message on my phone you know, while trying to do something else on my other hand. And I was like, what am I doing? And I just threw the phone across the room on the sofa and then actually did what I needed to do. And then went and sat down and actually replied to the message properly. And I was like, right, that was so much better. I don't know why I was trying to do both of those things. Definitely. And uh, how did you feel when you were like doing something in the kitchen and looking at your phone at the same time? Yeah, well, you, you're getting annoyed at yourself then because you're doing both things half-assed and it's taking twice as long. Like, that's how I feel. I know when I'm trying to multitask because I start getting annoyed at myself and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm doing too many things at once here. And then I cut one out and then I'm cool to, to crack on. It's like having your email open while you're doing a podcast or having your WhatsApp open while doing a podcast. Like, it's, you're just setting yourself up to fail. You can't be engaged in both. And I think that's the ultimate multitasking issue is you can only fail at multitasking, right? Absolutely. Bang on, bang on. And um, what you were saying about like things taking longer. So there's, you know, what are the consequences of trying to do more than one thing at once? You know, you've got, it will take you significantly longer to complete the task. You probably are not going to do any of them particularly well. And uh, I don't think you'll actually enjoy them as much. Like when you really deeply get into something, like for example, if we were all on our phones right now and just looking at emails and not talking to each other and not really engaging during the podcast, it probably wouldn't be that interesting or fulfilling for any of us. No. Mm. 
That's why I find when I, ha- when I read, I have to read first thing in the morning. So I make the coffee, sit down with the book and read whilst I'm drinking the coffee and nothing else is there to distract me. Otherwise mm. I get distracted and things take my time and, and I'm not focused on what I'm trying to read. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, it comes back to, you know, like um, what you're saying, Rob, there are certain parts of the day where we all know we're more effective. Like some people might be morning people, some people might you know, do really, really well in the evening and that's fine, but just recognizing, okay, I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing deep work in the morning with my coffee and get all of my most important and urgent tasks done. Yeah. I actually had an interesting, something else on this. Uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I've bought a freezer and turned it into an ice bath. And I mean, it, it's obviously very cold. It's one degree. And when I'm in it, I can only focus if i keep my focus on my breath or just staring at a piece of ice i can be in there for for a record is about two minutes just under the the minute the dog comes along and starts putting his face in and blowing bubbles or picking ice out i lose focus and it suddenly becomes so cold i have to get out and i thought about it i was like that is amazing is like something as simple as that you think i can't be distracted because i'm focusing on my breath or even when i'm doing like hard intervals on the bike let's say And like you pick one spot on the wall and you just stare at it. But the minute someone walks in the house or someone rides past you and you lose your focus, everything else falls apart. And I I don't think I'd understood it as much as I have done this last week since getting this ice bath because, yeah, the minute you lose your concentration, you then suddenly like, oh my God, I'm cold. I need to get out. Mm. And I think that happens to us not necessarily everyone doing ice baths, but let's say we're writing a, an email that's really important or we're, we're watching something that's educating us. And the minute we allow ourselves to wander off, we'll, we'll lose it and we have to get out of that, that situation. Do you think that, um, and particularly what you were saying about like when, when you're um, running or like you're doing something physical, do you think that's also to do with um, like being in a flow state? And if you then lose your concentration and you're not really fully invested in it, you just, you're not in the flow state anymore. That's it. Yeah. And I think flow, we often associate flow with exercise or with hard work, but I don't necessarily think it is. I think flow can happen in any situation. Like some people can stare at a wall for 10 minutes and not think of anything else. To me, that's flow. Yeah. 100%. And flow could be, you know, reading a book or an article you know, like you get totally engrossed in it. Like we've all sat in like the sunshine under a tree or something like that. And you've lost track of time because you were totally engrossed in what you were doing. That is the definition of flow or someone who's playing a piece of music, you know, or someone who's yeah, like skiing, for example, and they just completely lose track of time. It's got to be kind of challenging enough to pique your interest. Mm. Not, too, not too easy that it's just, you know, like, ah, I could do this with my eyes closed. So there's definitely a sweet spot. If we, if we know then that this is the case and we are so productive when we only focus on one task, then why, maybe there's no answer to this, why do you think <laughs> that we keep trying to challenge that and we keep trying to multitask when we know it's doomed for failure? Well, I have, a, I have a, an answer, Rob. <laughs> you do? Yes. <laughs> I, I, no, I think it's society. You know, uh, I think that, again, it's just, these messages that society tell us are 
there's a branch of psychology actually called transactional analysis and they talk about messages that are transmitted to us from lots of different sources like be you know be perfect be on time be you know um whatever can't think of it. you know like don't don't be late all of that kind of stuff and uh, i think that with multitasking again you know it's something that is transmitted to us like if you're successful if you're doing well in life you're a multitasker you can you know you can check your emails you can have your laptop on your lap you can be watching netflix in the background and you can be chatting to your partner all at the same time but it's bullshit Um, so that's my personal belief that's why I think probably the messages come from and we just need to challenge it and actually you know the evidence says that we can't really multitask and we all know how we feel when we just focus on one thing and one thing really really well so I mean my suggestion for anyone who's listening is try it out see how you feel stop doing multitasking or what you think is multitasking and see how you feel you just focus solely on one thing I also have an answer to it, Rob, which is dopamine. I think people don't give themselves a chance to get into a flow state because, like we said, the the task needs to be a little bit challenging, but it needs to be achievable. And as we've touched on, Tom, people in society want to always try and do better. And so if we see... Let's see an example. If we, if we see that person on Instagram highlighting how much they've got done that day, you're going to write your to-do list maybe three items too long. Mm-hmm. And what you get when you write down or you begin a task is you get an incredible amount of dopamine released because our bodies, dopamine is like the challenge molecule. It, it, it's why we don't, as a human race, we've, we've excelled because of this molecule called dopamine. There's a great book, Molecule of More, and I've talked about it a lot on on other shows um, by Daniel Lieberman, I think it's called. And so we write down a task, dopamine hits, but then we begin the task and we don't realize actually this is quite difficult. So we not in flow state because we have to focus on a few things. Let's say, let's say you're doing a task that involves writing an article and you're not actually quite sure how to reference pieces of information. You then have to learn that. So we're not only just writing an article, you're also thinking, I need to find a reference for this. And then you go onto the website and you're learning where the website is. And this is now our brains are multitasking because you can't reference an article and write it at the same time. So you're going back and forth. It becomes too challenging and we lose interest. So then we go to our next task because that gives us the dopamine hit. Okay, I can't do that, but I'll do the next task. So then you begin that task. That task might be too challenging. Plus, you've been thinking about the task that you didn't do, which comes into the negative self-talk that, that Tom mentioned about earlier. And then we're just going down this rabbit hole of we've set ourselves up once again for failure. And so I actually think if we can get an understanding of, of why we've set something out, and I think this goes back to your first point, Tom, is understanding your actual why behind what you're doing. So you know, I've had a really stressful day. Okay, why? Because I had so much work on okay, what side of that actually needed to be done? Maybe, I don't know, 50% of what you set out to actually make happen. Okay, but you've written out the list 100% longer than what it should have been. And now you've actually done nothing well. And it's all because you've set yourself up to try and be as good as what you've seen someone else being. 
because your brain has challenged you with this, you know, because of dopamine essentially. So if we can think to ourselves, okay, what do we actually need to do and get out of this society of, you know, how's your day? Oh, really busy. No, it's like, how's your day? I had two things that I really had to do and I nailed them. And then the rest of the day, I put my time into other people because I enjoy that. Or, you know, I did something for myself. I refilled up my energy cup doing something that I like. Then we'd have a, such a different society, you know, it'd be so different. And we, and we have it in like, in the, in the, in the cultures or the societies that have not hit with technology yet. I'm reading a lot at the moment around blue zones and these guys, their tasks are based around them living. So they have to go and move the cattle from one field to the other. They have to go and make sure the vegetables are growing well, but that's about it. Then they go and they have a nap. <laughs> like one of the things about these blue zones is they all have a nap in the afternoon because they finished their work in the morning and they wait till they can't, they can't do any more work till the sun's gone down or something. And so they don't try and do more. They just relax because that's what they know is what they've done. And they, they're not getting, you know, they don't know that the, the bloke down the road is actually doing more. So they're not even trying to do more because they don't realize it. I'm oh, giving yeah. myself a PhD in dopamine there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's very important what you make about dopamine and like, um, you know, kind of comes back to that about the micro stress as well. You're probably getting a mini dopamine hit at the same time, aren't you? Mm. Like, why do you get sucked back in, you know, and all of the people that write social media apps are really clever and they've got these amazing algorithms that keep like peaking your dopamine levels. Um, but it's also a great point that you make about like the simplicity of those people living in the blue zones. And I bet if you use some kind of happiness index or found out like how they're feeling, they would be like, yeah, I feel great. Mm. And, uh, and how do we feel when we're like, you don't even need to do a happiness index. You just ask yourself the question, like, how do I feel when I'm doing, trying to do a hundred things all at the same time? Yeah. And these guys never gone on holiday. They've never, you know, they've never done anything flashy. They don't own any flash cars. They don't, they live like, they literally live the most simple life and they all live, well, not all of them, but they've got the highest centurion rate, which is why they're in the blue zones. They live in beautiful places. They grow their own food mainly. And they, and none of them talk about stress. When you read what they've written or what, when they've been interviewed, they don't really use the word stress. They don't know what it is. No, they don't really know what it is. It is. I'm not. I'm not in any way like um, saying that it doesn't exist. But you're right. It is in a way a thought-created concept. You know, there's a quote from Shakespeare. There's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Mm. So only things happen in life and it's how we interpret them um but what you were saying about the blue zones uh yeah it made me think of a book i was reading um by hector garcia uh, about ikigai you know mm. the concept of um what we um what we're good at what the world needs um oh i'm forgetting now but there's basically an intersection and uh, they look at all of these people from different blue zones. So, you know, Okinawa, um, I think in Japan is one of them. And uh, it, they just live really, really simple lives. They don't overcomplicate them. 
with too many things you know they they try and keep active they try and you know focus on not eating too much and just uh you know eating like reasonable amounts of decent food so i think what your point your point about living simply is is a really important one so rob for, for you mate as a run coach let me ask you this how where do people overcomplicate running and what are some tips of making it more simple thinking straight back to that that people become over obsessed with their data so they have to run round numbers they have to run for round you know they can't run for 57 minutes they have to run for an hour they have to run for 15k not 14.95 they have they have to run at certain paces they can't run two seconds above two seconds below and they stress about tiny, minuscule, minuscule percentages that ultimately make no difference. It's funny you say this because I actually had a conversation with Steph on Monday. I've started putting in, so if anyone, any of my clients are listening to this, they'll, they'll know now my, my game is up. But I've started putting in really random times into training peaks for their sessions to see if they adhere to them or if, they've, if they just go up or down. So I put like one hour, seven minute run or one hour, nine minute run to see if they, they're so compliant perhaps that they'll hit that exact number or if they go that's silly i'm just gonna run for an hour or an hour and three it doesn't matter um yeah. yeah but so take away or strip that back and think about what really the session is designed for and focus on that not necessarily the tiny tiny minuscule details mm. also what you're running for not even yeah. what the session is designed for like what why are you getting up this early to run Mm. and it shouldn't be because i have a session in training peaks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think hopefully this show can provoke a few people to think um certainly around their day so what is causing your micro stresses and and how to solve it and tom would you say that it's not an overnight fix <clears throat> um no i wouldn't say it's an overnight fix i think we are all a work in progress and what we're all striving for is how can we live a happier healthier um more fulfilling life um and yeah it just looks different for all of us um but yeah i, th I think with the the thing that i've found most helpful personally is just stripping back um and cutting down you know on all the things that i think i should be doing or that I think, you know, that I have to do um, and just making my life as simple as I possibly can. Actually, we go back a while, Tom, and it definitely, this is the most serious conversation we've ever had because we, <laughs> we basically would only socialize through drinking or parties or being at friends' weddings or whatever. And something I always thought about you was, man, this guy, he's got his shit together. Like he's a doctor, he's best friends with everybody. You know, you never miss a party. So for you to be saying, yeah, I'm trying to be more simple is like, I know if you can do it, man, there's no one else has got an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, a, a great point. And uh, I tell you what, I feel so much better when I am just um, taking a little bit of time for myself, not uh, yeah. Not like overdoing it, not over, over socializing, just finding that balance. I think you talked about your energy cup earlier, Tom. Mm. Uh, you know just figuring out what like fills our energy cup and what depletes it it's different for everyone yeah agreed intrinsic and extrinsic right that's when 
you know how to fill back up your energy cup basically your extrinsic people feed off other people but intrinsic you actually need a bit of time on your own and if, and if you're trying to be intrinsic if you're trying to be extrinsic while being like your core is intrinsic you're you've set yourself up for a disaster and it's the same as someone who's extrinsic trying to spend more time on their own is is actually not going to help them so much either yeah. lots to think about off this show mm. rob you um you probably have to multi or try and multitask yes. as much as anyone you've got you're married you've got a three-year-old your run coach plus a pretty busy athlete have you caught yourself multitasking i'm sure i know the answer to that but how do you stop yourself when you've got such a so many things on that you do actually have to do you've not set them down as like oh i'd like to do these there they are things that you need to be doing to support your family yeah so it's actually i was thinking about this whenever you were talking about it just there i have i i'm a list writer <laughs> um and i would write lists and none of the things on those lists would get achieved i go to bed feeling deflated every day that I'd not done what I set out to achieve so I just changed my mindset on that so I have the non-negotiable list which is usually really really short and then sort of a, a wish list so if it gets done fantastic and if it doesn't it doesn't matter it can carry over to the next day or the next day or the next day um so as long as I hit those it's even just three things I might write down on my app in my proper to-do list for the day and so it's really really achievable and then I Anything other than that is a bonus because I know that there's going to be so many external external factors outside of my control that come at me throughout the day that I'm going to have to deal with them first. So I know I'll be fighting fires, but I've got my little bucket of water ready to go <laughs> um, for that sort of sense. Like, for example, Hannah's just woken up right now, so I know I'm going to have to leave, yeah. but I'd set everything up. So her breakfast is done, her school bag's ready, everything's ready and laid out. So I've got her ready to do that, to take away from, you know, now being stressed that she's woken up and I might need to leave a little bit early. Yeah. And plus you told us, you said, guys, I might need to leave early if Hannah wakes up. Yeah. So it's all set out. Yeah. So it's just, it's, I suppose it's thinking about it ahead of time and being prepared and then not setting too high expectations on yourself that you, you know you're going to fail. So set like, under promise and over deliver always business 101 business 101 <laughs> you had psychology 101 dopamine 101 business 101 brilliant <laughs> tom let's let's wrap things up mate why don't you share a little bit about how people can get in touch with you um you know what sort of clients do you want to work with because that's important for a coach to be saying um and if people want to get in touch yeah how, how can they how can they do it yeah so um I am happy, um, I love working with anybody who is serious about making um, changes in their lives. So anyone who um, wants to explore what's holding them back in life, um, anybody who feels like there might be you know, a limiting belief, something that they're telling themselves that um, is stopping them from fulfilling their, their goals, their dreams, their you know what what they really want to achieve in life and i'm particularly interested in people who want to explore what is the big like why for them what is the big adventure um like i've done a lot of traveling a lot of uh, kind of adventuring ever since i was really really young and i love working with people who are just like i want to push the boundaries push the limits a little bit um 
And like I was saying earlier, you know, I'm interested in positive psychology. I'm interested in existentialism. I do a bit of cognitive behavioral therapy. So lots of different ways of working with people. Um, and people can get in touch with me um, through my website, tomcarenzacoaching.ca. Um, they can get in touch with me through my Instagram, TKC underscore coaching. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, yep, yeah, and I'm always happy to connect with people. Beautiful. You're also fluent in Spanish, right? Sí. Sí. <laughs> so yes. for our Spanish listeners, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. If you've made it this far, I hope you have. And I hope that you're asking yourselves some, some deeper questions some deeper questions. And I think the great thing about this show is you can listen to this anytime. This is what we call an evergreen show because there's always points where you're going to need to go back and, and ask yourself things. And like we said, this is not an overnight fix. You're, you might get your shit for a week. You might not try and multitask. You might find flow states. And then the next week might be a total disaster. So be cool with resetting and retrying. And we certainly have all been there. And uh, yeah, I think unless you start giving it a go, nothing's going to change so you've got to try that as well tom thank you for your time rob go take Hannah to school thank you <laughs> thank you so much pleasure to talk with you both thank Have, you uh, thanks mate coming on great time in the future <laughs> yeah and guys tom's uh details are in the show notes they're all in there so go and have a look and as you said on instagram tkc underscore coaching Mate, you feel ready for this day? Yeah, I think I feel like I've got lots to go in action and to do, and I feel very positive about what's going to happen. Super positive. He, the thing about Tom, and you can tell this, he's a good coach because he actually asks questions. He didn't just talk. Mm. He, you saw him like falling into his coaching role straight away, and like, how does that make you feel? Asking questions. I was like, you're actually coaching right now. <laughs> and he's he's very calming. Oh yeah. I feel like me and you. Are probably quite hyper and quite in your face he's so relaxed and so calming and, and slows you right down doesn't he yeah yeah which is what a lot of people need 100 percent, mate 100 percent. but yeah if uh if you want some stories of tom come and ask me i'll <laughs> share some <laughs> i should like that more you like none of us are perfect people think we've got our shit together all the time we're like nah you don't know you know I bet, Half people's. Got, I bet you've got photos on Bebo or something back <laughs> in the day. I know you used to be a menace as well, Rob Jones. So <laughs> everyone can get better. Everyone can change. Everyone can make their life a little bit easier, I think. I the the micro stress one is what really hit home to me. Mm. What's what's causing you small micro stresses that that doesn't need to? That's what I'm actioning. Good. Okay. All right. Lovely. We're done. Thank you guys for listening. If you have questions for Tom, as I said, TKC underscore coaching um, on Instagram. And if you're not on there, you can go to his website, tomcarenzacoaching.ca. And that will be in the show notes. I will put that in there now. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do. Rob Jones is on email, rjinafight.com. He's also on Instagram, Rob Jones Endurance. And you can get me on email, twinafight.com. And I'm on Instagram, 
Tom Walker Fitness. If you want to generally email in, you can do endurance at innerfight.com. That's it. Big show in the books. Thanks for listening. See you later.